Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. Let me start by asking a question today. How many of you have ever bought some exercise equipment? Anybody ever purchased any exercise? Don't be ashamed. You know I'm going to make you participate. You bought some. It's pretty expensive. It's very expensive. And let me ask you this. Yeah, I bought it, Josh. I'm playing along today. I'm going to, you know, Simon says. So, uh, yes, I did buy it, but I have no idea where it's at. I have no idea what I did with it. I have a confession to make just right off the bat before we start getting into this too deeply. I'm going to admit this. I have a treadmill. It's like brand new. It's back in Arkansas going on three years in storage. And here's the funny part. I won't get rid of it. I will not sell it. It's not for sale. There's no price out there that I would sell this treadmill for. And the question is why? Why would I? Because I want to get in shape. That's why. I have plans to do something about the way I look. I refuse to, I refuse to get rid of it. But the question is, so is it helping me get in shape? And everybody says, no. no. Why? Why isn't it helping me get in shape? Because the whole point of having a treadmill is to use it. It's to get your hide on it. It's to sweat. It's to move. It's to walk. It's to run. Application makes all the difference. Right? Application makes all the difference. That's where we're going today. So if you want to take a nap, take a nap. If you have to leave in the middle of church because you just don't like me or you don't like my style of preaching, that's what we're talking about today. See, if you get up right now, see, everybody's going to... Application makes all the difference. So if you have, if you have, to, uh, if you have to fall asleep or you want to take a nap, go ahead and do that. That's where, it's where we're going to start and that's where we're going to land. Now, how many right now would have the courage to raise your hand if I asked the question, how many of you have clothing hanging on some exercise equipment at home? Go ahead. There's one. There's three up in the balcony. No wonder you are in the balcony. You have a piece of clothing hanging on exercise equipment. Let me tell you something about this. Uh, do you remember the first time that you bought that piece of exercise equipment? Do you remember like you were, you were at uh, like Academy or you, were, you went to Sam's? Because Sam's has, I think they have pretty good deals on treadmills that are in storage in Arkansas. But <laughs> when you bought it, when you looked at it, you, you had this, uh, uh, this, this excitement, this bubbling up experience of, this is going to happen. I'm doing this. This You get in the car and say, honey, get the kids. I'm bringing home something. I want y'all to get a good look at daddy. I want y'all to look at, because this is the last time you're going to see me looking like this. Take a good look, because I'm about to be transformed. There's this euphoric religious experience that we have when we buy things like this, right? Am I, I'm the only one. I'm going to get in shape. I'm stoked about this. And so you, you, you learn what every person learns when they buy exercise equipment. You learn that owners of exercise equipment, you, they learn a hard lesson. You actually have to use it. 
that just buying the equipment, that just owning exercise equipment does nothing for you. That's heavy stuff. I'm going to let that, y'all simmer on that a minute. How many of you have ever joined a gym? Anybody ever joined a gym? <laughs> ah, you joined a gym. Uh, bad news, folks. The same thing applies to going to the gym. When, having a membership at a gym, and I know there's some folks over here that I know that where I, I'm going to admit it, I have a mem, a, a mem membership. There you go. I have a gym membership, and there's some folks over here, mostly on this section over here, that are personal trainers. Yeah, nobody want, likes personal trainers. Nobody wants to sit next to a personal trainer. It's not like we don't know that you're a personal trainer. You look like a personal trainer. You have to apply going to the gym. You have to... Uh, 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 have application. You can't just have the membership. You have to show up. Now, you know what happens when you go to sign up for these gym memberships? They do. They just pull out the red carpet. You know, they talk to you. Everybody's kind, and you see the coolest stuff. You go in there. They got locker rooms that are phenomenal. TVs everywhere. Elliptical machines. Weight machines that look so intimidating. Goodness gracious! These weight machines now—they look like some sort of a transformer. That, that just straight out of a movie. And they have these pools. They have all this stuff that they show you. And you walk through going, this is it. This is, this is what I've been looking for. This is the one thing that's going to propel me into my physical fitness future. This is what I've been looking for. And you walk through there and you get this, this, this spiritual feeling of like, I already feel better. I feel better. I, I feel like I have more power in my legs right now. Just looking at this stuff, I just feel like there's, that this is God. He has, and so you sign the contract. You tell your friends, you call your friends, yeah, I'm, I'm, I got a gym membership. This is, this is what I do. This is a part of my life now. I get up, I do this. But the bad news is you actually have to go. And you know, I, going, you actually have to get on those machines. You actually have to push and you actually have to walk you actually have to do something so the question is has anything actually happened when you're walking through the gym no nothing has happened because you're just looking around and because this overarching truth that we're going to look at is that application makes all the difference can you say it application makes all the difference one more home improvement projects Home improvement projects that, that never make it out of the Home Depot bag. <laughs> this is my story. This may not... Saturday mornings do something weird to me. Saturday morning... And that DIY network, let me tell you something. That do-it-yourself network, that, that's a lie from hell right there. That, and it's on Saturday mornings. They know what you're doing. They know that you get up, you don't have to go to work. You're all like getting up before everybody else. You're drinking your coffee, minding your own business. You turn it on, you're like, oh my God. I can do that. I know I can. So you take off, you, you, you fight traffic, you get to Home Depot. You're, you have no business at Home Depot. You go down an aisle, you have no idea. You're asking, yeah, where's the thingy? You know, the... the and the, so you get down there and you buy this and you get home and on your way home you're fighting all that crazy Austin traffic. You get home and you're so tired 
because you got up so early. And you're tired of fighting traffic, so you say, honey, I'm going to get right to this. I'm going to take a little nap. You take a little nap. You wake up. Guess what? I'm a little hungry. So you got to get a little snack right after you got a little nap. And then you're like, you know what? It's kind of too late to start this whole thing today. I'm going to get to that tomorrow. And guess what? How many of you have bags of I'm going to get to that project tomorrow in your garage right now? Anybody? I do. I got tons of it if you want it. You can either say amen to that or oh me, which I don't care which, because it fits. I know it does. And here's the problem. You know what the problem is? The problem is that way. Ready, ready, ready? Application makes all the difference. Buying the stuff, believing in the stuff, paying for the stuff, my intentions for the stuff, my plan for the stuff, telling my friends about the stuff, it doesn't do me any good. If I buy that can of paint and I take it home and I put it in the garage, does my house look like it's been painted? No. I know it's going to get deep. You better hang on. Why? Because the point is, application makes all the difference in the world. And I want to talk to us today about this. That was funny in the beginning because it's so true. It's so simple because I'm a simple preacher and I don't know how to do anything else. But the, the truth is that it's so simple we miss it. And in this arena of our life, this treadmill mentality, I'm going to buy the treadmill and buy the clothes. By the way, you buy the gym clothes and it already makes you look skinnier. You notice that? It doesn't matter. So you have this great religious experience when you buy these things. You get so excited, and, and, and then we do nothing with it. And here's what I want to point out to you today, this, this, this truth that rings in my ears. And I want to scream it to you today if you can grasp it that way. Is that if you're not doing anything with it, whatever it is, then it's really not doing anything for you. If you're not doing anything with it, then it is not doing anything for you. You. Let me show you how this relates to the church. I grew up in a pastor's home. Now that, that qualifies me for a spanking. Probably, I mean, not, it, nothing. It, uh, the only thing it qualifies me for is that every single time the doors were open to the church, I was there. Now I don't mean on Sundays and Wednesdays. I mean every single time the doors were unlocked at the church, Monday through Sunday, I was at church. Everything, uh, all, the, all the, the lawn work, everything. Now, that don't, don't do the all thing because I was blessed to be there. However, what happens is, is that I get this sense of entitlement of going and being and being a part of thousands of messages and thousands of sermons that I've heard over the years. And no telling how many amens I have given uh, from the pew. No telling, uh, and no telling how many times I've said preach it preacher over the years. But there, there's something uh, interesting about this. Growing up, I had friends that didn't go to church. I was so well churched and they didn't go to church at all. And so they had this perception of me. And the perception was this, that I was some sort of advanced, super spiritual model. And I was. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know I'm kidding. You can tell. And the truth of the matter is, the reason they came to that conclusion was because I went to church so much. Because I was there so much. And in their world, that equated to spiritual development. But let me set the record straight. When it comes to our spiritual development, it's really application that makes all the difference. Not hearing, not being. Now, 
if you're sitting here and saying, I wonder what the Bible says about that. The Bible says a whole lot about this. Now, I want to show you in the book of James. James, by the way, is the brother of Jesus. This is one of our strongest points of proving that Jesus was who he said he was. Because what in the world would you have? Anybody have a brother in here? Anybody? You don't even want to admit it. (laughs) Do you know what, what Jesus had to do, no doubt, being the brother of James, for James to actually believe that he was who he said he was? You ever thought about that? This is the brother of Jesus. And James says, let me tell you something. He is who he says he is. Now, let me, that's strong. He was around Jesus 24 hours a day. And if he could believe. So James, 2,000 years ago, hits us with this, this uh, kind of heavy, kind of heavy this morning reality that I want to share with you. And that we're going to look at just for a few moments. Found in James chapter 1 and verse 22. James chapter 1 verse 22 deals with what we're talking about here. He says, do not merely... Listen to the word. And so deceive yourself. Now that's, that's, that's a strong word. Deceive. Deceive yourself. Whoa, James. Deceive myself. James says, I know what's going on here. I've been looking around in the church community. And he could even foresee 2,000 years later that we would be gathered in a building today talking about Jesus, looking at the Word of God. And James says, I want to tell you something here. You can't just get together in these groups and listen. If you, if you get together and you just listen, you're deceiving yourselves. Is there, something, is there something wrong with listening, James? Are you trying to tell us something else? He says, you go to these gatherings and you sing these songs and you listen, you take notes and you feel very convicted. You even feel guilty about what is being said. And then you think that you have made some sort of a spiritual progress just by hearing. And James says, I have a warning for you. I want to warn, warn you, James says. And he says, I want to th- make you think about your spiritual progress. You can't just be in the house... You can't just be listening to the Word and think you're being changed. You deceive yourself. His Word's not mine. And I don't like it. It sounds harsh and it's kind of uh, rubs me the wrong way. And I, and I say, boy, aren't, aren't you glad you came to church today so you could hear some good news like that? Thank you, James. Wow. Now, hanging, James says, I want you to listen. There's nothing wrong with listening, but there, there's something else you need to add to your listening. And James says in chapter 1, verse 22, says what you expect him to say. Do, everybody say do. Do, do what it says. Do what it says. I've been listening, James. I've been coming to church. I've been being in the building. And now you're asking me to do something else. I, I, I mean, I, I'm good. You really want me to begin to do? Let me tell you what happens when we come to church. Let me tell you what happens to me. I won't put myself in your position. But when I come to church and the word of God is preached, I sit and I listen. And what happens is, is I begin to feel convicted. Another word for that. I begin to feel uh, uh, bad or guilty about my life in parallel to the word of God. And so what happens is, is I start having this conversation with God like, you know, I, I do feel bad about myself, God, and I, I agree with you. I, I can't run from this. I'm a bad husband. I'm not good enough. I, I agree that I'm not being a good enough father. I agree that I could work on this area of my life. I agree that I could work here. And I really ought to change this. And I really ought to... And I really ought to but to actually do it, that's a different conversation. 
James says, if you don't, then there really is no value to your spiritual progress by hearing necessarily or just by being in the building, just by taking the notes. It's, it's not how it works. Doing. Doing, not hearing. Then he gives us this amazing illustration. And I know that's heavy. Just hang on. Don't give up on me yet. One of the coolest illustrations in all the Bible found in verse 30, excuse me, 23 of our text. He says, those who listen to the word but do not do what it says are like people who look at their faces in a mirror. And after looking at themselves, go away and immediately forget what they look like. This is a very compelling illustration that James is giving us here. And he says, here's what happens. When a person who comes in and sets and listens and goes, yeah, you know, I, I'm a mess. I, I need to change some things in my life. And let's play, pray the closing prayer. And they leave. And he says, it's like they're getting up in the morning. It's like they're walking into their bathroom. And they look into the mirror and they go, oh, my word. What happened to me last night? My hair didn't look like anything like it looks now. Was I sleepwalking? I look like I've been in a fight all night. My face is a wreck. I look terrible. And then James says they look at this and then they put their clothes on with their terrible face, their terrible hair, and they put their clothes on, dress for work, and they go to work. And then we all said we'd never do that. We would never do that. And here's the reason why. Because if we can look in the mirror and there is a flaw, there is something that we can take care of, we would never go out in public with that flaw. That's the point of James' story. Now, here is what I know about, here's what I know about you this morning. And then this parallel that he's giving us, or this, this illustration that he's given us, is I, I, know, I know exactly how much time you spent in the mirror this morning. Everybody in here, I know, I know exactly how much time. It's a fact. You looked in the mirror... Exactly as long as it took you to look better. You took your time. You looked in the mirror as long as it took. I'm not leaving here, honey, until I get this hair fixed. I'm not leaving here. I have intently looked in this mirror and I'm going to fix every defect before I go out to that church today. I'm not walking out the door until my hair is in place and my face is shaved. And if you cut your face, guess what you did? You, you did the, the surgical move that we all do. You went and got a piece of toilet paper and you put it on your face. Isn't that funny? That's so funny to me. That's, the, that's all we can do with that. You look in that mirror as long as it takes. The truth is we look in the mirror until you, you brought what you saw and what you wanted to see in sync. You look, I hate it, I fix it, that's where I want it to be. And then that's what you leave with. We don't leave until we look nice enough to leave. And then we do this other amazing thing. We get in the car and we adjust the mirror and we, whoa, who is that good looking guy? (laughs) How many of you men on the way to church today, your wife flipped the mirror down? Just admit it, go ahead. Nobody will admit it. That's awesome. Ladies, you won't leave until your makeup is perfect. You won't leave until your hair is perfect. We, and we do this other thing, too. We get this handheld. Anybody have a handheld mirror in your, in your bathroom? You pick it up and you... Why do we do that? So we can look good when we're leaving? 
makes no sense. Except that we have a mirror that shows us our reflection and our imperfections and we want to do something about those and we don't want anybody else to see them. So why do we do this? It's because that we can do something about it. James says, we open up the mirror of God's word and we say, I need to work on some things. I'm seeing my reflection here and I'm not liking what I see. I I need to fix some things at home. I can see that I got some hair out of place and I need to work on some things. I need to be more honest. I need to work on some things at work. I need to take care of this part of my life that's a little bit messed up and a little bit messy. And James says we need to fix some of the ugly parts of our life. And the mirror is telling me to work on this. And we close the mirror, James said in his illustration, we close the mirror and say, ooh. And we walk away, not doing anything about it. James says, and don't be deceived. Don't fool yourself into thinking that. It's okay. Now, that's heavy. That's very heavy this morning. I know that. But I want to give you, I want to give you a way out. Now, if you're not a church person today, I want to help you. This is the first time you're in church, and you don't really know about this whole, like, these people around you, and you always kind of look to people. And this is a shock to you, because you didn't know that people came to church and didn't do But there are churches, not this one, where people come and they leave and they never do. So if you're here for the first time today and you don't know anything about the Lord, this is going to be a revelation to you. Here's what happens in the church world. We've created this, this, uh, we're smart, we're really good. I've done this, you've done this, but people before us have done this. We have come up with these incredible ways of dealing with the things that we don't like and what we don't like in the mirror. And we've come up with a great way of carrying them around. Let me tell you, let me, let me give you an illustration of what this looks like. We, we're like this guy who gets up early in the morning. And it's, it's work day, and he has a two-day growth on his face. And there's this, there's this uh, uh, great meeting that he has to go to at work. And so he, so he gets up, and he, and he leaves in a hurry. But before he leaves, he looks in the mirror. And he goes, oh, my word, my beard looks terrible. Now, there are good-looking beards, and then there are ugly beards. All of you have good-looking beards today. This man has the worst-looking beard imaginable. And he sees it in the mirror, and he doesn't like it. And he goes to work anyway, and the first thing everybody says to him, where they come to me at the gym? What? You didn't shave, man. You didn't shave. You look, it looks terrible. I'm just going to tell you, it looks terrible. And here's, here's, what we, here's what Jim does. Jim gets over in the corner and says, can I, can I talk to you for a minute? I just want to share something with you. <sighs> I know. I know. I know I didn't shave. It looks bad. I know. And I want you to help me pray about it. When I got up this morning, I saw it. It was right there. I looked at it. But I want you to... I, I called you over here because I want you to pray about what? Well, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this beard. I'm covered up. Look at me. I've got this beard. I don't know what to do about it. You go to church that Wednesday night. You get somebody else in the corner and everybody's like, Jim, what's up with your beard? It looks terrible. Everybody sees it. Everybody's talking about it. You don't even, it doesn't look right at all. You got the ugly band beard. You don't, you don't have a good looking beard. And Jim's, he gets him, can I talk to you? He gets him over in the corner. Here's what, can I talk to you about something? Yeah, what's going on? Can you help me pray about this? I'm struggling. It's right there, Jim. Yeah, but I'm, I'm worried about this. Let me tell you, okay. I bought a razor. 
I bought a razor. I'm, just, I'm scared to just step out and use it. Shave it already. Just cut it off. Well, before I do that, do you know of any shaving counselors that I could talk to? I just, I just want to get with somebody. I just want to talk to him about sharing about my shaving experience. I just about what the next step, you know, just talk about it. Just, you know, I just want to, I want to unload. I, you know, it's heavy. Jim, shave the beard. You think it looks terrible. We all think it looks terrible. You can see it right there in the mirror. And James is saying, this is what we do. And as Christians, this is what we do. The things that we know that we know, not beards. The things that we know that we see our reflection in the Word of God. That we have so artfully discovered a way to carry them around. If you could just, if you could just pray for me. I'm thinking about shaving. I'm thinking about doing right. I've been praying about not sinning. Just stop sinning already. That's what James is saying. James is saying, you don't have to fast and pray about this. You don't have to fast and pray about the will of God, whether or not you need to look in the Word of God and align yourself. Yeah, 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 stop doing that. James is saying, you're like a person looking into a mirror and walking out acting like everything's cool. It's not cool. We can all see it. Handle your business, Jim. Activate the razor, Jim. Just because you bought the razor doesn't mean it's going to shave yourself. Well, maybe I just stood too far away from it. Put it to the skin, Jim. <laughs> we pray about it. We talk about it. We philosophize about it. And James says, stop doing that. Just stop. We're good at this. I'm good at this. Goodness, I'm good at this. I promise you, you give me 30 seconds with something that I disagree with or, or, or my reflection, I promise you I'll have you convinced that I'm right and this is, this is giving you an illusion of what, a reflection of what I truly am. We're all that way. We come up with these creative ideas, but James is saying, just be honest with yourself. Look into the mirror and understand that application makes all the difference. James says... James says this, he says, this is what happens when you, when you don't do something uh, and you don't put something into operation that you hear, but you expect the result. Here's what happens. Deception. When you don't put something into operation that you're expecting the results from, that's called deception. Guilty. Deception happens. We know this principle. This is not a new principle. This is so elementary. And this principle is found in the Word of God everywhere in all kinds of scriptures. And this a simple, simple law found in Genesis all the way back to the beginning. I want to highlight and just, just for a moment, just preach a couple of things here. From Genesis 8, chapter 22, it says, As long as the earth endures, that means as long as the earth is here, there's a principle in place. Seed time and harvest will never cease. In other words, sowing and reaping are always going to be the law as long as the world is here. In other words, our big idea today about the application makes all the difference is not going to change until the world goes away. Sowing and reaping. In other words, you must sow or apply the seed to reap. Having the seed in the barn... Knowing about the seed, believing in the seed, hearing about the seed does nothing. 
to bring about the harvest that we're wanting. You have to sow the seed to reap the harvest. That's what Genesis is talking about. Does it ring a bell about application makes all the difference? Paul points out a powerful, powerful, fundamental earth-shaking truth to me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 46. I haven't preached this ever in my life, but when I noticed this this past week, 1 Corinthians 15, 46 says this, The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. Paul is saying natural first, then spiritual. Really? Natural first, then spiritual? Seems like it should be reversed. But here's what James is saying, or here's what Paul is saying, rather. Man works the ground, he tills it up, he plants the seed, that's all natural. Then God, everybody say then. Then God sends the rain. I can't do rain. God's got to bring the rain. And God causes the seed to germinate and to grow and to provide the harvest and produce the harvest. That's supernatural. And what Paul is saying is the most important thing to understand is that the natural comes first. And I don't like that. I'm going to be real honest. I told you sometimes I look in this and I don't like what I see. I don't like it. Because I want the supernatural now, and I want it on my time, and I want the supernatural to happen in your lives when I pray, and when I ask, and I want to move in and out of it, and I want it to be right now. And Paul is saying, slow down there, slugger. Natural first. I hear that. And, and I understand that, that, that we have to till the ground and plant the seed. And, and here's what I want to preach to you, that we're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. God, I'm waiting for you to do what you do. Meanwhile, I got all this seed. Got all this seed in here. I'm walking around with. God, I'm ready when you are. And God's saying, I'm ready when you are. The natural comes first, son. I'm ready for you to start sowing the seed so I can bring the water and I can bring the harvest that you're praying for. Hear me. If we don't sow the seed and we're waiting on the harvest, it will not happen. We're wasting our time. Because you can't expect a harvest without sowing. You can't expect a harvest without sowing. No more than you can expect losing weight by reading a diet book. That's not how it works. Application is needed. And Paul said, here's how it works in our world. As long as the earth is here, you're going to have to get the seed out. You're going to have to break up the fallow ground. You're going to have to begin to plant some seeds and understand that God is coming and working on your behalf as soon as you plant the seed of faith. He's right behind you. I think that deserves a great big hand clap of praise. First the natural, then the spiritual. It's all in our Bible. A couple of examples I want to give you briefly. When you read of the miracles that Jesus performed, such as the man that had the infirmity for 38 years. That's a long time to be sick. And Jesus comes to him and the Bible says he sees him lying there and he asks him this, this question that seems so out of character that you would ask someone uh, uh, that has been sick for 38 years. Jesus says, Will thou be made whole? Are you asking me if I want to be healed right now? 
Because I've been here for 38 years. You must be the new guy. I've been here, okay? I'm looking. I'm wanting. I'm desiring something supernatural to have happen in my life. But Jesus holds up a mirror to this man. He asks him if he wants to be healed. What Jesus is saying is, is I'm about to ask you to sow a seed of faith. I'm about to ask you to do something. Do something. And I just want to make sure that the harvest that you're about to reap is the harvest that you want. Because as soon as you hear my word and do it, then the harvest is going to come. And so I need to ask you right up front, before you sow the seed of faith, before you hear my words, because I'm about to tell you to stand to your feet and to take your bed and walk home. But what I need to make sure is, and I think that's interesting. I don't think we need to pass over that too quickly. Because the truth of the matter is, as much as we talk about, I want God to do something in my life. I want God to heal me. This man had created a bed where he was. Sounds pretty comfortable. And Jesus walks up and says, just to make sure we're on the same page here. Before I ask you to sow a seed of faith and stand to your feet, I want to make sure... That you're willing to live with the harvest of this miracle. Just a thought. Just a thought. But in order. In order for this man to get his miracle. He had to get up. Jesus said arise. Rise up. It doesn't say he was healed before he got up. The man had to plant a seed of faith. And when he did, the miracle was right behind his obedience. His obedience to the word. Miracle, the ten lepers, quickly, Jesus said to them, ten lepers come to him, you know the story, they're they're terribly diseased, and Jesus says to them, go show thyself to the priest, and the Bible says, and as they went. You know what happened? Jesus spoke the word, go show yourself to the high priest, and the Bible says that on their way, let me do it again, you're not catching it, so... Ten lepers, Jesus, Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. Weren't supposed to go show yourself to the priest unless you were cleansed. They're not cleansed. They sow a seed of faith. They heard the word and they just sat down, prayed the prayer and left. No. They heard the word and then they did what James said. They said, I'm going to do. But I ain't healed yet. I don't know how it works. He just told me to go show myself to the priest, so I'm going, I'm going to go. Obedience to the heard, heard, heard word. Is that make, the heard, heard word causes a harvest. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to figure it out. It don't have to add up. All you got to do is say... I heard something today. I heard the Lord say, come forth. I heard the Lord say, step out. And I want to do something. I want to do something. Because I know this principle. That application makes all the difference. All the difference. Faith was sown by hearing and doing. 
doing what Jesus said. And right on the heels of that, I wish I could preach this because I ain't got it like that because I just got to talk to you about it. But when they heard and they did, right on the heels of that faith, that sowing, that faith was a miracle. Their miracle was on the way. As they went, the Bible says, they were healed. God, wow. I don't know what you need today. But if you're thinking you're waiting on God, you're mistaken. You're mistaken. He's waiting on your seat of faith to activate your miracle. He's waiting on your seat of faith to work a miracle, to bring about a harvest in your life. You do what you can do, and you don't worry about it, baby. God's going to do what He can do. He's going to show up. You sow the seed of faith. You step out. You believe. God, Josh, I hear you saying that. I don't like my harvest right now. I don't like my harvest. You ain't seen what I've been going through. The harvest I've been getting right now ain't good. It just ain't good. I like it. I didn't come up with it. I wish I could take credit for it. But here's what somebody said. I don't know who said it. But if what you have is not what you need, it's not your harvest, it's your seed. If what you have is not what you need, it's your harvest, honey. That's me. It's, your, it's not your harvest, rather, it's your seed. Now you think about that. Let that set in for a second. You don't like what you're getting. It's not your harvest. It's what you're putting in the ground. And don't ask God to break His own law because He said it's going to establish until the earth goes away. Don't ask God, if you plant corn, baby, guess what you're going to get? If you plant corn, we get corn. We're not going to get wheat. It just don't work that way. I wish it did. Boy, that'd be neat. I'd just, just get weird. Great harvest. That ain't how it works. Galatians 6 and 7. Be not deceived. There's that word again. I don't like that word. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Let me tell you something. All my life I've heard preachers use this, and it sounds so mean. It sounds terrible. But let me tell you something. Did you hear what that said? Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If the scripture is true and we know it is, then you understand that there are certain things in our life that we can cause to happen. We can cause some... We got control over nothing except this. If I put corn in the ground, guess what the word says? I'm going to get corn. My God, if I don't like what I'm reaping, guess what I get to do? I get to change my seed. I know, it's too deep. I know, you'll get it. You'll get it later. In other words, your harvest is in your hands. No, 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 too easy. No, I don't believe it. If that were true, I wouldn't be getting a harvest. If you don't like your harvest, it's in your seed. It's impossible to get any other thing than what you put in the ground. The bottom line is whatever you need must be sown. Whatever you need must be sown. You've got to sow it. If you need love, guess what you need to sow? You've got to sow some love and guess what you're going to get? If you need kindness, guess what you need to sow? You need to sow some... And then you're going to get wheat. No. You're going to get kindness. And my goodness, don't I need some forgiveness. 
guess what you need to sow, baby? You need to sow some forgiveness. That don't sound right. I don't like the way that sounds. I, something's wrong with that picture. It's called a mirror. James said, if you don't like what you're looking at, you need to sow some different... Till you get what you want. You can decide what you get. And you can also get what you don't want just by sowing. Just, just sow. And here's the frustrating part about this, and I hurry. It's true that sometimes some of the worst people in the world become the most successful people because of this particular principle, simply by sowing and reaping. And it makes me mad. But they got a hold of it, and I don't. I don't like it. But just like me not running on my treadmill in Arkansas in storage that I won't sell... It's doing me just about as much good. I'm I'm sowing nothing into that. But it's a simple principle. And the Bible says it's going to last forever. So you better get used to it and you better get on board because your harvest is in your hands. That's powerful. James continues in chapter uh, chapter 1 of of our text. He says, says, I want you to look, going back to the mirror. He's looking at the mirror again. He can't get off of it. Verse, Verse 25, he says, But those who look intently into the mirror, those who look intently, what he's saying is those that won't look away. Those that just keep looking. Those that won't just walk out and go to work with that beard. Those that just look intently, just intently, not glancing, but looking deeply. He says, it's like like these ladies that have these these incredibly magnified mirrors in their bathroom. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That has like a light around it, you turn it on, it's like, no? Every lady in here has one. Men don't have them because we don't care that much. We don't care. If we can't see it from here, baby, it, it ain't working. We're not, we're not interested. So what happens is, say, they look intently because they want it to be just right. They want it to be beautiful. And if you're not careful, you can see your sinus cavities. You can see what you're thinking, you know, into that mirror. If you're not careful, you, you, it's to look close. It's to, it's to blow it up. It's to look intently. And that's what James is saying. You look intently. You look intently into the Word of God. And James is saying, for those who are willing to do that. And man, it shows all kinds of stuff in that mirror. And James is saying, I know it's ugly. And I know, I know, you know, that mirror is not very nice. And it doesn't lie. Not like those ones in the store that make you look really skinny when you try on that outfit. You know, and you go home like, oh my God, what happened? James says, These, this type of, those that are willing to pay the price to look and keep looking and won't run away just because you don't line up. He's given us a way out here if you pay attention to this. If you look and keep on looking and you won't run away from what you don't line up with. There's a promise for those types of people. And here's the shocker, verse 25. He says, those who look and keep on looking intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Law that gives freedom. That's what you're going to hit me with. The whole reason I don't do and I just listen is because I don't, I, I'm worried about losing freedom. The whole idea, James, of me not doing what the Bible says is that I don't want to. Because it doesn't bring freedom. It brings, it brings uh, 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 this, this, the chains and it brings all kinds of restrictive uh, thoughts and restricting my, my thinking and restricting my finances. Because the Bible talks about finances. And James says... You look into these scriptures and you begin to search these out and you begin to not look away and you just face the fact of what the Bible says. He says, it gives freedom. That's very conflicting because when I was raised in church, I was taught about money and I was taught this about money. I was taught to give 10% 10 back to God and save 10% and then live on the rest. That's what, I was, that's what I was taught to do. Give, okay, so James is telling me, don't look away from that. I know it gets weird about finances, and, you're, and I've been taught to save ten, give God 10%, save 10%, and then live on the other 80%. Just live on that. So, so I'm like, okay, James, 
quick question. That means I have no control over the 20%. That doesn't sound like freedom to me. I don't have control over the 20%. Until, until I get down the road and I get a little bit older, I continue I continue to look in the Word of God and I continue to trust God and I get to the end of my life and I have all this financial freedom and all this financial liberty. So James is saying, those that will look into the Word of God and just because you don't line up, you don't run away, but you will hold on to that. You will keep on looking and you won't run away just because you you got some things that you disagree with. If you'll trust me and you'll continue to look at that, down the road you're going to understand freedom like you've never seen in your life. That's a powerful, powerful promise. Freedom, really? Sounds like a lot of rules. Sounds like a do not. Sounds like a lot of do nots. But James is saying, for those that will sow, those that will look and keep on looking, God will bless them. Now, that doesn't sound right, James, because how I have it in my thoughts is, if I've got a lot of seed over here, and there's somebody over there with a lot of seed, but they're taking their seed, and they're just sowing it everywhere. They're just sowing it over here, sowing it But I still got all my seed here and back in the barn. I got more seed than they got. And he said, no, that's not how it works. The Bible says that God gives seed to the... And here's why. One kernel of corn planted in the ground. Guess how many that produces? A bunch. You thought I was going to tell you, didn't you? No, I don't have any idea. It's a bunch. Think about it. This is, this is really blessing me today. I don't know if it's helping anybody else. I'm enjoying the fire out of this today. Listen. God gives seed to the sower. Think about it. Well, I got more, I got more seed than you do. No, no you don't because I'm sowing mine. Just a thought. Well, then how come I'm not receiving all of my harvest? The Bible says this. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also... There's coming a harvest. Where's my harvest at? Ecclesiastes 3 says, There is a time for everything and a season. Everybody say season. There's a season. There's a season for planting and there's a season for harvesting. And we all know which one we're in, don't we? Boy, do we. But let me give you a promise today. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap a harvest if you faint not. Don't give up. Hold on. Your season's coming. I'm not preaching something that's just a big, happy, oh, fluff, fluff. This is the Word of God. This is the mirror that I'm preaching to you about that says you are going to reap a harvest. Your blessings are coming. Your harvest are coming. Not because you're listening, but because you are sowing. There's a planting season. There's a harvest season. Let me tell you something. Your harvest is coming. Say, my harvest is coming. Say, I believe my harvest is coming. Randy, if you'd help me. I'm going to close quickly here. Many of you know exactly what season you're in, and many of us know what season you're in. It's kind of hard to hide that, isn't it? Don't look down on me because I'm in my season of sowing right now. Don't look down on me. Don't wear me out. Guess what? My harvest is coming. There's going to be a season in my life where I'm going to find the blessings of God to be true. And for those of you that have been coming, you haven't seen the, the, the harvest yet. You, you just keep on planting, honey. Well, I don't have much seed. I don't have much faith. I don't even know. I don't even understand all this. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you have, the, you have faith the size of a, a mustard seed. He said, let me tell you what you do with that. You hide it, you put it under your pillow, you, you hold on to it, you don't let it go, you just, you just, you just, 
No. He said, plant it. Plant it. Plant that seed of faith. And guess what's exposed to you? Guess what, guess what kind of harvest you can reap? Anything is possible to you. Anything is possible to you. Psalms 126 and 6 says, He that goeth forth weeping, bringing precious seed. To all you mamas praying for your babies. To all you daddies that are praying for your babies. And you've been sowing seeds of faithfulness into this church and into God's kingdom. Hear this word. For every person that sows seed of weeping and bringing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing their harvest or their sheaves with them. Doubtless. Doubtless, it's coming, it's coming. And then the promise of all promises, and you can stand to your feet. The promises of all promises to end what James is saying about the mirror of the word of God. He says, if you will continue in it, don't look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. And he that continues in it, if you continue in it and forget it not, for, don't forget what you've heard, but doing, but doing. But doing it, they will be blessed in all that they, and it's not on the screen, but it says, the last word says, in all that they do. The promise for all of us that will put one foot in front of the other, that will plant the seed that God has given you and say, God, I trust you for the harvest. I know you're not waiting on me. I know, I know, rather, I'm not waiting on you, but you're waiting on me to plant the seed of faith. I step out in the name of Jesus. I don't want to just be a hearer. I want to be a doer. And if I will look into that mirror, if I will face, face the facts, Lord, of what this scripture asks me to do and tells me to do, and even when I don't line up, even when I don't look good, if I will trust you and I will look intently, the Bible says that he will bless you in all that you do, I think that pretty much covers it all. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.